listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. And hi, and welcome to the next episode of the Construction Big Breakfast on Valentine's Day. Hope you remember the roses, got the card, a little gift. If not, you could always direct your loved one to watch this episode because I'm sure that will make up for any forgetfulness. Anyway, it's me, Tip Top Tim Fitch. Welcome. And today uh, I've been joined by Ben, you, you've probably seen before. Good morning. And Paul Wilkinson. Good morning. Who uh, I've known for a long, long time. He's a, a guru in three areas. PR, journalism, and all things to do with data in construction and technology. Right anyway, welcome, Paul. Thank you. Now, I'm sure you've been briefed on how this goes. So, uh, first question is, what did you have for breakfast? Granola. I'm a granola person, yeah. <laughs> and a coffee. Sarah, you've got to filter this better next time. Granola. Now, I know what Ben had, because we had breakfast together this morning. Did I splashed out and had a sausage baguette this morning. Yeah. When he says he splashed out, I seem to, <laughs> I seem to remember paying for it. <laughs> anyway, I, I woke up extremely hungry this morning, and uh, so I had a full English. But I was careful with the carbs, no toast. Anyway, that's enough, <laughs> enough about breakfast and Valentine's Day. Now, we're, today, you know, Ben, as I'm sure you know, is super keen on technology. Um, and I mean, that's, Paul is uh, obviously a bit of a guru. I know he blog massively around the technology sector in construction. Perhaps just let everyone know the name of your blog and how long it's yeah. been going. And yeah, I started a blog called Extranet Evolution in September 2005. So it's come up for 15 years. This year I will publish my 2000th blog post. Um, so I've been writing about construction collaboration, technology, software as a service, building information modelling, BIM, all those fields uh, for all of that time. And as well as doing writing for other clients and, and publications as well. So you're good with a pen? No, good with a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, if you've written 2000 articles, I was, was going to say you could make a book out of that. but. I think it sounds like a, an encyclopedia. Yeah, the book came first and the, and the blog followed. Well, and obviously I've, I've read it from time to time and it, you've kept on with it. So, I mean, it, but of course, there again, it's a, it's a very Still continuous yeah. developing field. So, I mean, just to touch base on these things, I know one of the businesses you talk about or have talked about is Procore. Coincidentally, our office, new office in Toronto, they're on the floor above us. All right. So, uh, and we, we do know they're the Canadian uh, VP, don't we? Jazz. It's from London. Who's from London, it's from Hounslow, yeah. originally. So, uh, uh, they have an office in London now as well. Um, mm. In fact, I'm going there tomorrow. Yeah, which is not far from here. I think that's run by Canadians. They've got a Brit running the Canadian office. Canadian running the Brit office. But anyway, that's modern business life, isn't it? It is. And, well, I mean, a lot of these... Um, <coughs> Software's protocol being one of them. One of the great things they do is uh, help collect data, help yeah. collect sort of understanding of 
how a project will, should and is uh, performing. And that's something that through um, you know, the UK BIM Alliance, the Constructing Excellence Digital Theme Group, um, you know, I've been there with you where you've presented or where we've listened to people present about some of the uh, great things that people are doing, uh, but also some of the untapped opportunity yeah. um, that data uh, provides us. Um, I mean, I remember some of the statistics that you came up with um, at the last theme group, probably one of the last one, last one I attended anyway, uh, Bentley, where you presented about digital lakes and stuff like that. The yeah. data that we've created so far is minimal in compared to what we're going to create. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of the, the time that I've been writing about technology, in the early days, it was all about digitising paper-based processes. So we were just turning documents into files. Um, and the, the data that we were creating was actually quite small. We've now reached the point where we're doing a lot more in terms of workflows and we're capturing richer data um, in models in, in, in those files. And as a consequence, we've got a much better opportunity to make sense of um, processes, um, improve designs, improve ways of working. Um, so it's not just about digitizing the old way of doing things, mm. but potentially digitalizing, which is about creating new forms of business. Mm. So we're sort of relatively, or we're getting better at least at that part of it. So we're creating lots of data, but we're not necessarily changing that into knowledge within no. the industry. Uh, we're then really bad at sharing that knowledge and experience. What do you think are the key sort of barriers? That, um, is it all about culture? Is it a lack of understanding? A bit of both? It's a bit of both. I mean, the um, Mark Farmer talks about you know, the industry being highly fragmented. Um, I would characterise it as also being um, full of data silos. We've had disciplinary data silos, we have company data silos, we get into contract data silos. Um, culturally, we're resistant to sharing information between businesses and we're at the moment still hesitant about sharing information to support the whole life of built assets with clients and with owner operate with the owner operator businesses facilities managers and so on um, recognizing that really 75 percent of the value of many built assets is actually in their whole life post construction it's not just about the initial capital cost of, of designing and building them i guess that goes into um sort of another one of your hats is the sort of collaborative working champion with ce and sort of improving how we procure and having that whole life um, understanding and element of of procurement? I think so. You know, we had at the recent Constructing Essence conference, we had um, Anne Bentley talking about Procure for Value, the Construction Leadership Council um, document that came out um, a year and a half ago now. Mm. Um, that, in a way, is um, a sign of progress. We've got a government which is talking about procuring for value and talking also about measuring uh, the performance of our assets and also measuring the performance of our supply chains. You know, and this is the old adage that what gets measured gets managed. You know, historically, we've not been very good at, at measuring anything. So our, our quality of management has suffered as a consequence. I'll challenge that slightly by saying, I think we're very good at measuring things, but we measure everything for no particular reason at times and don't do anything with it. So I think there's yeah. 
we can be quite good at measuring without really understanding what we're measuring, why we're measuring, and what to do with it then, which is ultimately the whole point. There's no value in what you're measuring, why you're measuring it in the first place. I think you have to be discerning about what you um, take from the data that you've got. Mm -hmm. um, we are, um, to coin a phrase uh, that was used last week, uh, data rich and knowledge poor. We have loads of data, but we don't necessarily filter out the business insights that we could gain from it because that's the real opportunity is, is having the analytics to drill into the the masses of data and discern what's important out of all of that it's uh, just can I just interrupt you there because i think everyone's agreed there's lots of data <clears throat> and the, the point you make that you know data is not knowledge is obviously true but when people say filter it, I think one of the problems is no one knows what the filters are. Because I think the, and this is where the real opportunity is, I suspect, that it needs some sort of entrepreneurial eye or intellectual, uh, well, intellectual is the wrong word, but the data needs to be looked at by entrepreneurs so they can find the value. Yeah, other than the obvious so the because the non-obvious value is i think where the real opportunity probably is uh which is one point another point i've got to make is i know you're an evangelist as ben is around uh, the adoption of digital technology i'm quite enthused by it but i don't think on its own it's going to solve the problems of construction particularly if it's adopted universally. Yeah, no, I mean, technology is just a tool at the end of the day. You need the right people in the right place at the right time. You know, you need the culture and people understand how to do it and why they're doing it, more importantly, to get their buy-in properly. Because um, ultimately, if it's not improving the productivity of the people, the business, the reliability of outcomes of projects, then you shouldn't be doing it, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, it's no one-size-fit-all answer. It's about understanding what the right thing is for the right person. Yeah, if you look at Digital Built Britain, the document um, that came out 2015 has um, a little diagram and it talks about traditional models on the one side and then talks about on the, on the, on the, the new model uh, of the industry, new business models, new ways of working, um, new business relationships, new forms of contracts. So it's not just about technology, it's mm. about changing how we design, how we construct, how we procure, how we contract, how we insure, how we finance our projects. These are, that's where the entrepreneurial bit that, that you were talking about, Tim, comes into it, because I think that's where... Um, and that's in, the bit I don't see. Yeah, that's I see lots of enthusiasm for the technology. What I don't see too much of and I, and I, is non-tech people picking the tech up and making a load of money out of it. Because mm. the all of the, the things everyone's talked about in the last few minutes are real great if the industry was better. But not it won't be better unless somebody makes some money out of it. And of course, the problem, one of the problems at the moment is for tier one contractors, it's basically a zero margin game at the moment, yeah. uh, or worse. And if they all adopt the technology at the same 
rate, the margin won't change. Well, I don't think it can change. You would just make them... You're right, the productivity will go up and the beneficiary will be clients. I think it's, um, it isn't just about the technology adoption, it's about rethinking a process. So if you, for example, take the, um, how we deliver buildings and you switch from a traditional way of procuring a project and building in situ towards more off-site fabrication, use of design techniques that bring people together to explore different alternatives very, very quickly at an early stage in the project, but also build in the tool sets where uh, as those projects are delivered, you're also then starting to gather information about how those assets are used and how people perform, deliver their business functions in those buildings. That's the point really where the clever entrepreneur starts to say, we're delivering assets which make people more productive, which make uh, our business operations more profitable. And you know, it ceases to be just a construction um, business it becomes a business outcome-oriented delivery mechanism. I'm of the opinion that most of the problems in construction are centred around the fact that construction over the past 70 years has slowly lost control of the sales process. And I'm interested, or I'm waiting for, the entrepreneur who finds a way of turning the tables. Yeah. They will deliver the value, that's for sure, but they will regain the initiative, I think, in terms of how the sales process works. Mm. I, I think, think frankly, look at Katera, help. for example. Well, yes, but that's the yeah. great example. It's a great example, but it's also been called into question. Um, you know, I think... Uh, I, and I, I, this is sort of slightly fascinating in a way that, you know, if you look at in other industries where people sort of you know put a lot of money into something they're given a bit of time and there's a little bit of understanding that it might not pick up until later whereas in the construction industry you know Katera aren't making money today so it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow whereas so many technology-based companies there seems to be that willingness because of <laughs> reputations maybe of long-term return on investment um, in technology companies that you know the unicorns outside of construction given a bit more flexibility regardless of whether they should or shouldn't be allowed it. But we, we also as, as an industry lag behind every other industry sector mm. so whilst other industry sectors might be able to deploy technology and, and get to profitability quicker we have a long we have a, uh, a lot of ground to catch up in some senses that's quite good because it means we can use tried and tested technologies which is good in a conservative industry don't be the uh, first mouse trap, first mouse on the mouse trap, um, but at the same time, that also means that um, you know there's going to be a lot of vested interests in the old ways of doing things that hamper the whole process um, unless we change the business models. Yeah, that's my that's what I keep banging the drum about because Katir is a very good example. It fascinates me. I have seen the negative stuff. But is it any less negative than what's, what's been said about Tesla? Because yeah. that's been, you know, and of course its share price at least doubled in the last seven or eight months. Yeah, and Tesla's a great example where there's more trust in either where it's the individual, the sector, 
but providing the long term because they've failed to hit every target that they've set themselves but they've got a an amazing product which Katera have as well and so does vast swathes of the industry you know we build great things at times we can build some terrible things as well yeah. but in the right circumstances we can transform people's lives for the better and I, I think the fact that it's a sector that lags it's, makes it exciting now because the gap so well no the, the, there are some very quick or large gains that can be made without having to yeah. push the boat out into the, the, the McKinsey's view on the industry is that change is needed in seven areas and technology is just one of them, mm. but it's the one that's potentially likely to deliver maybe the biggest efficiency gain, but not the biggest cost gain. Biggest cost gains come from efficiencies in other areas, including design, procurement, contracting, and so on. But um, you know, I think f as a as a sector, um, it is that contracting and procurement side is where the opportunities really sit. We can start to work with um, other areas of business and commerce. And the examples that I draw out would be insurance and banking, um, because then people are often funding our infrastructure, funding our buildings. Um, and where you get a, a group together which says, well, let's try and reinvent how we deliver a project and, and do things like integrated project insurance, for example. Suddenly you've changed a business model which, where firms traditionally have been reliant on things like professional indemnity insurance. And that's a struggle at the moment as a sector, as we well know. But the IPI test project, supported by technology, you know, that, that delivered a, a host of business changes as well as technology changes to deliver a better, a better functioning project for that client. Yeah, it did, and Dudley College is a fantastic building and a, a great example. And hopefully, because um, they're a Derby museum now, aren't they? And that's hopefully, right. there'll be a few yeah. more uh, that come off the back of that. And I guess one of the challenges they initially faced was helping the insurance and banking sector better understand construction because as much as we try and be better we have a reputational issue that harms us to um, improve sort of the skill set that comes to our industry to attract more people young people attract more women to the industry and to attract finance into the industry as we have a real sort of cyclical issue where we don't like telling each other about good things we only tell external people about things and that doesn't allow us to track anything. No. No, I, I, th I think people are frightened, as, as, as Tim said earlier, it's, it's a zero margin industry in many, in many instances. <clears throat> people, people are frightened when you tell them how small the margins are. But that's also, um, it's one of the reasons that we invest so little in technology, because technology was traditionally seen as an overhead rather than an enabler, rather than being something transformative. We get it into the situation where it starts to make a competitive difference then you're going to get more firms investing in it because it's going to make that big difference in the same way that it made a huge difference in aerospace it made a huge difference in automotive in bringing about change in those sectors i think we you know there's plenty of good examples out there we just need to be better at sharing you know turning that data into knowledge as it were and sharing that knowledge amongst each other Maybe Tim will then finally sort of agree that it is a great thing. <laughs> no, no, I'm, look, I'm not a large. <laughs> I've got an iPhone 11 Pro Max with two cameras. <laughs> I can only make it work. No, I've got it working now. But I, 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 I think about 
the industry, really from a shareholder's perspective. And the technology will have a part to play in whoever revolutionises it. I'm absolutely certain of that. There's no doubt about that. But it's the it's how do you gain control of the sales process? You've got something that's so compelling, i.e. value adding for mm. your prospective clients that yeah, you're in, you can re-engineer the procurement process so that uh, people can't erode your margins. Because the problem is if you have widespread adoption of the technology, the margin will, it might go up if you're an early adopter, if everyone's got it. Eventually, you'll get back to where you were before. But that goes back towards, you know, if we are more outcome value creation based, it's about, well, how do you incentivize around the externalities? The internet on its own doesn't create any money. Everything that happens on the internet creates lots of money for everyone else. So it's, you know, how can we change the business models, the way we procure to create better values for everyone? That's the key. Whenever people say change the procurables, they expect the clients to procure for value. Then, of course, as soon as you say that, it you haven't really dealt with the issue other than hoping that someone else will allow you to have a bigger margin. Which, if you believe that, is going to be widely adopted. I don't think people realise how human nature works. On the other hand, if you've created something which you are in, you've got a better control of the procurement process and you are delivering value, then your margins are going to be much better protected. I look at the business models in other sectors and we've had at past constructing excellence conferences, examples drawn from aerospace and the, the classic one is Rolls-Royce and yeah. Power by the Hour. You know, you've got a business model there which is very much about a partnership between the customer and the airline and the service provider, uh, in this case, Rolls-Royce. Because they're not selling the engine, they're leasing the engine. The relationship isn't one about um, simple capital cost, it's about operational um, use, and it's about the total expense, you know, Totex approach. And from gathering data from yeah. every single flight, getting back to the data point, both the airline and the aero engine provider are able to extract value um, from the process. They can deliver better fuel efficiency, they can deliver higher performance engines, um, they can reduce the downtime you know, and um, increase the range of, of their aircraft. There are win-wins on both sides. And the, data, the data is, is the lubricant for this process and it's how they discern and extract these insights from that. There's a real mutual understanding of what a good outcome for both parties, all parties involved are. Yeah. It was a great conference that one as well. It was really well organised. <laughs> I understand. What you're <laughs> for our viewers, I might, let's just say Ben organised that. It was wonderful. Oh, now, just on that, see, aero engines, there aren't many manufacturers and it's highly capital intensive, isn't it? So, I think it's a great model. I've heard them talking about it. I've had lectures myself at various places around there, Totex model and all of that stuff, all great. But in it's it, it could be, and there may be somebody in construction who can do something like that, but I think where the, the thing that construction needs to realise is where the Katira thing is so interesting is that aero engines require, I don't know how much working capital they've got, but it's 
probably billions, a lot, yeah. right? It's a lot. Yeah. And if you're actually owning the engines, it keeps going up and up and up, doesn't it? Because rather than get someone else to pay for it, you're funded it. I know you can get the money out, all that stuff, yeah. stuff like that. It could be part of the solution, but to get the product in the first place took hundreds, if not billions of pounds or dollars to develop, which no one in construction knows how to do, no one. And this is where Katira is so interesting for me, is they've raised $4 billion from SoftBank mm -hmm. and elsewhere and are investing it, partly in technology, partly buying up other businesses and working capital, the rest of it. That is something where the skills, as far as I, 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 know, I think I know a lot of people in construction, I don't know anyone who could do that in the UK. You could go and raise $4 billion in it. Probably not. I don't know anyone. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's done it. 40 million here, you know, it cost things yeah. once or twice, didn't they? Uh, no one on that scale. Uh, so that's where it's very, very different, I think, than uh, anyone I've ever come across in this country uh, that someone could go and persuade tech-savvy people to give them a vast amount of money to invest in construction. That's really interesting, really, really interesting. Because well, then, you've then got a chance of doing a... Rolls-Royce or a General Electric type mm. model. Yeah, yeah, you've got, you got the cash to fund it. Yeah, when you've got a technology-enabled, smart building, infrastructure asset, whatever it is, you're creating the data that you can turn into knowledge to allow you to monitor performance and everything else to, um, to have that yeah. model. You've had some experiments with the Rolls-Royce type approach. Servitization is the mm -hmm. piece of jargon that's used. Um, people have looked at servitising plant rooms um, and it changes how a contractor procures a plant room if they know that they've got to deliver something which has got to operate for 20 or 30 years reliably. Um, they're no longer looking at the cheapest components, they're no longer looking at their cheapest suppliers, they're looking at the suppliers mm -hmm. and the components with the best uh, balance mm. of energy efficiency through life uh, reliability. Um, but they also need to educate the client that they're not going to be buying something um, and owning it immediately. They're buying something on a lease type yeah. basis. So, and helping um, people understand that some additional capex is good news yeah. for your total expenditure. You've got plenty of infrastructure projects at the moment struggling maybe to get off the ground because people can't fully understand, appreciate or see the full picture. I don't know if the full picture does show any um, improvement compared to what is a uh, Currently, well, we'll uh, we'll have another Debate. podcast on let's say the Totex cost of high speed two. Um, <laughs> probably that'll probably be as long as uh, the Irishman, three and a half hours. Or so. That's <laughs> quite a big debate. I need to draw this uh, podcast to a close because I think we've we've run up against our allotted time. It's been a very interesting debate. I think we've given a few ideas out there to entrepreneurs. Go and raise four billion dollars. And see if you can build buildings and then just lease them to people or something like that. Maybe the start. Lots of technology to monitor how they're maintained and operated. Paul, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Pat. And uh, we'll have to get you back in uh, a few months' time because I'm sure there'll be this. This is a topic everyone's interested in. Uh, even if you, even if you're. Uh, I'm not a cynic, but I'm, 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 no, I'm not a cynic. Right? I, I, I can see it as an enabler, but I don't, I don't think it's the solution. I know you don't agree, but anyway, yeah. thanks very much for coming on. Yeah.
It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And see everyone next time. Invent has a 100% success rate with R&D tax credits, bringing in over 77 million pounds in qualified costs for businesses just like you. We offer a complimentary, confidential review of your business to see where you're leaving money on the table. Contact us at www.invent.com to book a consultation today. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.